The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you're always in the right place with us. This is exciting for me, and I hope for you, the opener of Season 2 of our special series called Changing the Game with HR Radio. And a big shout-out to Dr. Patricia Fletcher, Patty, to us at SAP Success Factors, the sponsor of the series. She had such a good time and so much valuable thought leadership on Season 1 that she's back, and she's actually on the panel today. So we'll welcome her in just a moment. So let me get started. I have a great buzz from Oprah. She didn't personally send it to me, but it's out there on the web, and I think it's a great one. She says, cheers to a new year and another chance for us to get it right. I want to add an amen. If you want to want to tweet Oprah, it's just at sign, O-P-R-A-H. She's a one-word wonder. So here we go. Once again, it's time to reflect on HCM's journey over the past year. And then we want to look ahead to opportunities where CHROs can commit to doing better and being better this year, 2017. What does this all encompass? Well, from whom to hire and how to better enable leaders, which is always a challenge, to harnessing talent they have, analyzing the workforce demographics, and more. We'll look at the key business trends today and the technology and workforce process disruptions. That's a key process disruptions that our panel of experts believe will shape the next 12 months and beyond. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And let me tell you who our three panelists are, and then we'll get started with their quotes. First up, we will be speaking in a moment with Tina Marin Partridge. She's the worldwide leader for IBM Global Business Services Talent and Engagement. We're delighted to have her on with us. Also joining us is Yvette Cameron, Senior VP of Strategy at SAP Success Factors. Like Tina, she's also a newcomer to our show and Dr. Patty Fletcher. She decided to call herself, what is her title today? I know it changes all the time. Leadership Futurist and Solution Management at SAP Success Factors. So Patty, thank you for bringing us another great topic. We're going to kick off the show with Tina Marin Partridge's quote she has selected from Eleanor Roosevelt. Anybody never heard of Eleanor Roosevelt? Okay. Anna Eleanor Roosevelt lived from 1884 to 1962. That sounds so recent, but it actually was a long time ago. She was an American politician, diplomat, and activist, the longest-serving first lady of the United States from 1933 to 45. Why? Her husband was Franklin Delano Roosevelt, and he had four terms in office. She also served as a U.S. delegate to the U.N. General Assembly from 45 to 52, and President Harry Truman called Eleanor Roosevelt, the first lady of the world, in tribute to her human rights achievement. So here's the quote Tina has selected. A woman is like a tea bag. 
You never know how strong she is until she gets into hot water. Wow. Tina Marin Partridge, Happy New Year and welcome. How are you? Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be on the show today, Bonnie. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, thank you to Patty for finding you and engaging you and introducing you to me. We're just going to spend the whole hour thanking each other. I have a feeling it's going to be a thank fest, but why not? Tina, love the quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. I've heard it before. I'm very intrigued about why you picked it for our topic today. And in case anybody's wondering, we are talking about CHROs and people strategies, New Year resolutions and beyond. So, Tina, talk to us, please. Well, the first reason for picking the quote is because of Eleanor Roosevelt herself. I mean, she was such a driving force for human rights. So that's a topic that I have a great passion for. And her Charter of Liberties was obviously, um, you know, a seminal moment. So, and they always called her the first lady of the world. And um, I think she really was that. So the lady herself, uh, Bob Marley, though, had a similar quote, so he's much less interesting to me, <laughs> but he had something similar to say about, <laughs> you know, you never how strong you are until um, it's the only choice you have. So I chose the quote from Eleanor Roosevelt because um, it's connected to what's in my cup, but we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the quiet strength that women show day-to-day in the world, um, Bonnie, whether whatever role that they play, but particularly in business, I think is um, critical to the second part of the quote, which is about being in hot water. Because for us today, business climate is hot water, um, even if we don't know it. And as we talk today about um, some of the challenges for HR leaders, um, they are dealing in a very um, defining environment for their profession. And I think the strength that they have to show through the next period to really help businesses map their way through hugely changing employee experiences at work requires the type of backbone that I know in particular women leaders show because diversity is another topic close to my heart. So that lays it out, Bonnie. That's why I chose the quote. Wow, I wasn't expecting to hear you say that, Tina. The business climate is hot water, even if we don't know it. I'm quoting you on Twitter, so there. You're just going to have to deal with that. (laughs) Very, very intrigued. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Eleanor Roosevelt was aware of, as she was doing what she did as a politician, a diplomat, and certainly an activist who made an imprint not only on the U.S. and the U.N., but the world, do you think she was aware that she was uh, dipping her toe into hot water, or do you think she just thought, hey, I'm good at this. I know we need change. I'm just going to go out and do it. Do you think there was an afterthought on her part? Just wondering. You know, I think she was fearless. Um, um, I, I, I don't know whether she, she preempted everything she did, but she was a woman who took setbacks, was fearless, and moved forward. And I think she stepped back at some point in her life and decided on what her legacy was going to be and, and, and really went for that. So I'm not sure if she knew what was ahead for her or do any of us, mm-hmm. um, Bonnie, but she certainly addressed what she had to do in life in, in, in a very fearless manner. Thank you. I think fearless is a good word. Uh, We probably will end up, four of us, agreeing that that might be a good word for our topic today, moving ahead and doing it better in 2017. Thank you, Tina. Such a pleasure to speak with you and to know you and and great conversation about the quote. Now let me introduce formally Yvette Cameron, SVP of Strategy at SAP Success Factors. Yvette has sent us a quote from Theodore Levitt, if you don't know who he is, 1925 to 2006. Uh, He was born in Germany and passed away in Belmont, Massachusetts. 
He was an American economist and a professor at Harvard Business School. He was editor of the Harvard Business Review, especially noted for increasing the review circulation and popularizing the term, wait for it everyone, globalization. In 1983, he proposed a definition for corporate purpose. Listen to this. Rather than merely making money, corporate purpose is to create and keep a customer. Wow, that was pretty modern for him, although he was left us about 10 years ago. But back in 1983, I think that was evolutionary and revolutionary. Here is the quote Yvette Cameron has selected from Theodore Levitt. Quote, creativity is thinking up new things. Innovation is doing new things. Beautiful. Yvette Cameron, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show today. I appreciate it. We're delighted. I love the quote. I love quotes that set one thing up, a construct or something we, we think of, we think about but don't really think about deeply and then smack us between the eyes with something that's more important. So, Yvette, talk to me. Are you a big fan of Theodore Levitt and how did you find the quote? Well, um, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Theodore, um, mostly because I work with a ton of academics. Um, I'm surrounded by wicked smart people, um, PhDs, many from academia, and so I'm constantly drawn to those in that field and looking at, at the kind of thoughts and opinions that they have. I chose this quote specifically because uh, it really focuses on the idea of action over simply ideas. And while creative ideas are essential and that's how innovations um, are, are, are uh, generated, the actual innovation itself isn't produced until we take action. And so many times we see people uh, considering new ideas, considering new process changes, um, uh, considering, you know, how the future might be, but afraid to take that action because they're afraid of getting it wrong. I loved your quote at the start of the show, Bonnie, you know, another new year, a, a chance to get it right. I would say it's okay to get it wrong sometimes because that's how we learn. There's a series of quotes about, you know, how success is, success is built on a series of failures. We have to take action, and I think one of the big calls to action for the CHRO and the HR community as we look into 2017 is taking action because to be successful in this rapidly changing digital economy, uh, the ability to respond quickly to changes, to, to have uh, innovation and creativity and responsiveness, we have to take action. And that's why I chose this quote. Thank you very much. I, I got such a kick out of your comment, Yvette. I was going to tweet it, but I won't. You're surrounded by wicked smart people. I like to think that in the past five years, producing and hosting so many, oh, almost a thousand episodes of various themed Game Changers radio shows that I have the privilege of being surrounded by wicked smart people like you and Tina and Patty. Patty, I think you'll agree with me. In my five years, I probably met some amazingly smart people. And thank you, Yvette and Patty Fletcher. Happy New Year. How have you been? I've been great. Happy New Year to you. And thank you for bringing us, Tina and Yvette, already proving their value as thought leaders here. Do you agree we've been here on Game Changers Radio? We have been surrounded by wicked smart... I love that phrase, Yvette. I think I'm going to draw it on a wall somewhere. Well, as a a Bostonian, the word wicked is near and dear to my heart, so I (laughs) was chuckling, Yvette, 
of when you said that, yes, we are surrounded by wicked, smart people, and, and thank goodness for that. Thank goodness for that. And now I'm going to introduce Patty formally with the quote she sent me from the late and great David Bowie. And just let me tell you this quote. I'm going to give you a couple of lines from the song Changes. It's one of Bowie's best-known songs released on the album Hunky Dory in December 1971 and as a single in January 72. That goes back. The lyrics are often seen as a manifesto for David Bowie's chameleonic personality. I have never heard chameleonic before. The frequent change of the world today and frequent inventions, reinventions of his musical style throughout the 1970s. And we might end up using that word reinvention on our show today. The last song, this is the last song Bowie performed live on stage before retiring from live performances at the end of 2006. It made 128 number 128 on the Rolling Stone list of 500 greatest songs of all time. And it was included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll and made it into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2016. Very, very interesting. So here's the quote. Okay, Bonnie, get to it already. Here's the quote. Everybody listen up. And these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Patty, talk to me. What does this all mean? I cannot believe you can say that without singing it. Um, it, (laughs) Patty, one rule on Game Changers. I can't have caffeine and I don't sing online. So what can I tell you? Well, I was singing it while you were saying it. Um, Sing it, sing it, sing it, sing it for us. Can can you hum a few bars? (laughs) Thank goodness it was in my head um, that I was singing. Um, So the the quote you had from Oprah and and the quotes that... um, Tina and any of that talk to, it's, it's all kind of the same thing, right? Because we're talking ultimately about change and transformation. And when we look at that quote, it's, I'm either going to point at somebody and say, change, that doesn't work. People are aware of what they're going through. And what they need is a catalyst for change. And then they need to be enabled for change. One of the things I've realized over the last 20-something years of, of working in a transformational leadership-type capacity is people don't change when you tell them to. They change when you enable them to. And that's where HR comes in. And, you know, I, I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with what was said, which is the whole fearless thing. I don't agree with that. I think people have fear, but it's the people who make change who do it anyway. And that is incredibly critical. And in order to do that, you have to be willing to fail, right? Which means you have a value on progress and not on perfection. And you'll notice on Twitter that I had said that to the quote. And that's the kind of mindset we need with HR. How can we enable people to change? How can we listen to them and ask them what it is that they need in order to get to that next level in in their careers and contributing to business? Thank you, Patty. And there's a nice quote in there. I'm quoting you. People don't change when you tell them. They change when you enable them. Very profound, Ms. Ms. Dr. Fletcher. Thank you. Patty, would you do me a favor? You're going to hate me for this. Would you hum a few bars? Because I'm actually not familiar with the melody. I love the words. What's the melody of changes? Um, It's kind of all over the place, but it's changes, turn and face the strain. Does does that sound familiar? Kind of does. Yvette, yeah. Tina, do you remember that one? I think Patty well did a great job. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and a Hummer is born. Patty, <laughs> it's from the movie, it's from the album Hunky Dory. Well, you're just Hunky Dory here. Patty, your secret is safe with us. Nobody else was listening. Well, actually, a lot <laughs> right. of people around the world, but it's okay, Patty. I, I won't say keep Everyone's your day job. Out now. Yep. <laughs> you know what people tell me when, if I dare to, and I did take lessons years ago, but very short lived. People to ask me the funny question, what did you do with the money your mother gave you for singing lessons? <laughs> if you've ever heard it's a little cruel but it's funny Tina Marin Partridge we are at the segment of the show called What's in Your Cup today I know we're calling you from somewhere outside the US so tell us where you are we don't need the Google map version by uh, by longitude long, uh, long whatever latitude longitude but we'd love to know what part of the world are you in and either what you're drinking right now that's interesting I bet it is Tina or what you had over the holidays you'd like to share with us oh well I started with the hot water theme. Um, so I think, Bonnie, my cup has to have um, a very nice uh, cup of tea in there. And I think that you can hopefully hear from the accent that it will be a cup of strong Irish tea. Um, and I am ringing you from London, though. And uh, my little fact is that the perfect cup of tea isn't actually made with a tea bag, as we all know, and it should be brewed for two to three minutes. Um, so, and the reason we've got some nice long brewing tea in my cup is because I think like all areas of life, you know, if you take that little bit of time and care, it might just be worth it. And then next to me, um, because it's 8 p.m. in the evening for me in London, I also have a very nice large glass of Rioja waiting, uh, Bonnie, but I think I'll be waiting until after the show finishes to, to start that one. We appreciate that. And I have to tell you, Tina, a couple of years ago, we had a, a British gentleman on the show, and I asked him the same question, what's in your cup? And he said, I'm not using a tea bag. And he said, that's dusty tea. Real Brits don't use dusty tea. <laughs> I never forgot that. He actually told us the millimeter density of the bone china teacup he was using, the exact temperature of the boiling water, the exact number of minutes and seconds he used to steep the tea in the strainer of the tea ball and how the tea tasted. So we almost got, we got a recipe for perfect tea. So I'm glad you said perfect cup of tea is not made with the tea bag and that is quotable. So there. So thank you, Tina. And thank you for joining us so late in the day. Very appreciated. Yvette Cameron, where are you calling from and what are you drinking or what did you drink over the holidays? So I'm calling from San Francisco, California. It's a beautiful day after a full day of rain yesterday. And I've got to admit that I'm not sure what's in my cup of tea. Uh, when I was recently in Vienna, I picked up a souvenir pack of 24 different teas for the Advent. And the idea mm. was to try something new every, every day the month of uh, December. Unfortunately, my mom wasn't around to receive the gift, so I've started drinking a different tea every day. And, of course, it's written in German, and I don't read German. So every day it's a new adventure, <laughs> but when I find something I like, I put it aside, and my plan is to research and order and or buy those at my local store if available. I think today's cup has uh, something to do with dandelion, but I'm not quite sure, but I've got to tell you it's quite earthy and delicious, and I'm thrilled. And frankly, the idea of a new experience every day and not really knowing what to expect is exactly up my alley because I'm all about trying new things. And if it fails, it fails. I've learned from that and I try something different. So um, I'm loving it. 
I think you're fearless. I think we're going back, Patty. I think we're going back to that word with Yvette. And by the way, Yvette, there is a website called dandeliont.org. Welcome to mm-hmm. everything about dandelion tea. We value you and welcome your comments. Let me see if there's anything uh, interesting here. Uh, dandelion tea, the leader in everything about dandelion tea, founded in 2008, ranks number one in a little pitch here. Australia, Canada, the U.S., and number two in the U.K. Uh, we delight in everything dandelions. Very, very interesting. So, uh, yes, apparently has health benefits. Bright yellow weeds blooming all over your suburban lawns may be known soon as more than a springtime nuisance. So anybody who's interested in the health benefits, go there. And Patty Fletcher, you, I think you stopped humming. I don't hear it anymore, but it was fine with me. What, do you, what were you drinking at the time, Patty? Um, well, I'm, I'm just embarrassed. Um, so I'm married to a Brit who's a real tea snob um, and is disgusted by my fascination and obsession on iced tea. And, in fact, my all of my in-laws are kind of grossed out by it. Tina, I apologize. Um, but I'm, I'm drinking iced tea, and it is a mix of green and black tea with some honey, and I'm freezing, so I should have made it hot <laughs> instead of cold, but it's delicious. Patty, Patty, it's 50 degrees here in New York. What is it near you? Are you uh, oh, having a... Well, a, a in my sp- office, I... I- <laughs> It feels like it's 30 degrees. Oh, my. Not quite sure. Yeah, it's freezing. Oh, my. Sing a little more when we're on the break. You'll warm up really <laughs> fast. So we're talking today to Tina Marin Partridge, talent and engagement global leader at IBM Global Business Services, Yvette Cameron, Senior Vice President of Strategy at SAP Success Factors, and Dr. Patty Fletcher, who today is our leadership futurist and solution management Person, executive director at SAP, success factors. I'm giving you all kinds of titles. I, Bonnie D. Graham, I'm not allowed to have caffeine on radio show days, and this is a double header day. We had one at 10 this morning. We debuted Designing the Future with Game Changers. Very exciting show. And here we are with Changing the Game with HR at 2 p.m., all on the business channel, of course, at World Talk Radio. So I have my usual Patty Nose, a cup of cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug, and I have a pink straw because we did have sunshine, and I'm convinced the straw made it sunny. Now it's a little bit gray, but what can I tell you? I have to do a shout out to my granddaughter, Sarah, who turns 18 today. OMG. Talk about the year flying. What about the years flying? And one more shout out. My mom, Ruth, turns 100 years old on February 1st, and we're counting up to her special day. What do you think of that? Wow. Cool? Wow. Wonderful. It's a wow. We're giving her a a birthday party on my live TV show, something to talk about that night. And if anybody wants the streaming address, we'll be streaming live on the web. And you can all uh, watch us give her a beautiful birthday party. So here we go. She's probably online listening to the show right now. What can I tell you? So we're talking today about cheers to a new year. What can the HR professionals do? What did they do last year? We need to look over our shoulder at where they came from, that 2016 journey, and how can CHRO embrace new opportunities? opportunities fearlessly perhaps in 2017 we're talking chros and people strategies key word is people new year resolutions and beyond we're going to take a very quick break and then we'll come right back so don't even think of touching that mouse that app that dial you know the drill michael out when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network. 
From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. Comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. Indeed, and that's what we're talking about, looking back at 2016 and forward to 2017 and there on. Talking right now with Tina Marin Partridge at IBM. Tina sent us some interesting topics for the show, and here's where we're going to start the roundtable. She says, leaders must create the digital culture. Corporate culture must modernize. In a digital world, you need a digital first culture. So let's start there. And how does this relate to HR, HCM, CHRO? Tina, do me a favor. Would you define some of these terms? Do we still talk HR anymore? What is a CHRO? What is HCM? What? Which, how should we be referencing this body of, of speech, of language? And, and anybody on the panel can jump in. But let's start with Tina. Sure. Thank you very much, Bonnie. So, so I guess... Um, Corporate culture is is something that um, isn't just a HR topic. It's a topic that is about how we work. And culture um, shapes the experience that we have at work, and the experience that we have at work drives how engaged we feel. And so I started with this topic because I think it's really important for leaders now to think about corporate culture and what they're trying to create in the modern world, um, where the way we work and um, how we work and who we work with needs to be quite different to potentially how we've worked in the past. So we need to be more efficient, we need to be in flatter structures, more agile, and we need to make decisions and work together in different ways. And so I picked this topic of culture because I think it's so important that we consider now how that really works in the digital world um, and, and, and helps us really thinking about the, the changing experience that employees have at work. And the employee experience that they have at work now is expected that that would be the same as what they've come to know and expect in their private lives. So we talk about the consumer-grade experience that we have mm-hmm. in how we do our daily lives. And employees want to have that experience at work. And so we have to modernize HR, modernize how we work with people, how we support them in their careers and develop them, and create that digital-first culture. Thank you. Very interesting. On, on that term, what should we be calling it? HR, CHRO, HCM, a, cap, a human capital management. I know that's HCM. What's your favorite term for what our topic is today, Tina? 
I think we should call it um, HR. HR. Let, let me ask, Yvette Cameron, do you agree, HR, before we go deeper in the topic? Yeah, I, I mean, if we're talking about the organization that is charged with, um, you know, the effective people strategies, HR is fine. Uh, the nature of HR is certainly changing, but the name doesn't have to change. Patty, agree or disagree on that point, and then we'll come back to Tina's topic. I'm on the fence on that. I go, I go back and forth. I think the topic is human capital management because that is the differentiator. Um, but the function is still HR. Human capital management is everyone's job. HR is the, the central point of contact. But we shall see um, what happens with the, the title of, um, <laughs> of the org who is responsible for this. Okay, thank you very much, and I'm going to circle back just a little bit, one stop around the table, back to Yvette Cameron, talking about uh, what Tina introduced, leaders creating the digital culture, consumer-grade experience at work, uh, flat, agile, more effective, more efficient. What are your thoughts on that, Yvette, please? Yeah, well, well, I completely agree that a digital mindset is an imperative, and if the leaders aren't taking uh, the the top-line direction on that, then that will not permeate the organization. And it's absolutely true, right? We use uh, the digital tools in our personal lives, and we fully expect to have that seamlessness of experience in our work lives, the ability to start on one device, end on another, the way we look up information um, and uh, compete with others in, in challenges and games. It, it falls over into health and wellness. But, you know, the digital culture isn't just about the digital technologies. It also has to be a digital mindset. And to your point about should it be called HR or HCM, Think about from a marketing perspective how for years we've used digital technologies <clears throat> excuse me, and we're approaching our relationship with customers from a digital mindset. Who are the, who are the, um, the brokers, the influencers, uh, the, the change agents? Who are the most influential uh, players and customers that we're working with? And this mindset has not permeated how we engage with our workforce. And so not only bringing in the technologies, but bringing in some of the processes and ways of thinking, what is the sentiment of the workforce, not just from asking, but from in, uh, from deriving that information or inferring it from their use of technologies across the organization, um, engaging, communicating with employees like we do with customers, using that digital mindset to further drive the digital culture is what's going to really advance us as we look forward. Thank you. Very interesting. Patty Fletcher, are you on the fence about this one too? Share, share I'm not. I, I love this topic. And, you know, I think when it comes to corporate culture, so if a culture represents the values, the things that we believe hold true, they define, you know, the decisions that we make. And from an HR person's perspective, that's investment in programs, investment in tech, and, and some other things. It's, it kind of comes back to if, if HR's role is to enable the organization to do a few things, to be compliant, um, whether it's best practice or government regulations, but also to be the provider of enabling the workforce. And, and we're seeing that, that workforce definition expand beyond just payroll employees, but contractors and alumni and whoever. What does it take to make them successful? There's a futurist, um, David Pierce Snyder, that talks about this thing, complex capacity. And this is where, for me, the digital mindset, and Yvette's right on with that. I love that, that, that um, term. The digital mindset is so important. 
essentially what David Pear Snyder says is that we live in this world of complex adaptive systems, right? And we can see this in tech and with digital. Input I put in somewhere, whether it's a conversation or I change a strategy or I do something impacts the people around that, which then impacts the people around them and so on. It's not a closed-loop system anymore. And so the folks who will be successful are not people who are successful despite that change is the only constant in a complex world, but because of it. And only through a digital mindset will you have the right programs and upskilling, will you have the right technology and use of technology that enables people, whether they're individual contributors or somebody putting together that killer high-potential team, to be able to have those tools to take advantage of converging and diverging topics, to be able to be successful because of the complexity, not despite it. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Great conversation. Tina, I'm going to circle back to you around the table and ask you if you have any comments to make about what Yvette and or Patty added to your topic, and then we'll move on. Well, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, it resonated, I guess, um, I guess what we're describing is a continuum, really, um, of culture, engagement, expertise, experience, and how you create that. And, and I, I, I really agree with you, Paddy, about um, it's all got to be backed up with some clarity about how we can actually change the employee experience and create the kind of employee experience that we all want to have. So... Um, I, I also strongly uh, agree that these experiences have to be designed. They don't just happen. And, and there's work to be done to consider what that has to look like now in today's world. Um, and designed experiences that are really thought through from the employee's perspective, I think, are better experiences and will drive much more engagement. And better engagement drives better business results, which ultimately is what what businesses are after, and I strongly and passionately believe in that continuum. I have a question, Bonnie, and, and sure. it's, it's relating to what Yvette said and listening, Tina, to you. Yvette, you had said, and rightly, there are so many other functions, marketing, sales, um, who've embraced the, the, the digital component because they're outwardly facing and for other reasons. And then we have this topic, and, and I'm wondering... Do you guys feel, looking back at 2016, is this something happening to HR or, you know, going, people don't change because you tell them to, they change when you enable them to? Is it happening to HR or, or is HR taking the reins? What, what, what we happened in 2016, what does it mean in 2017? Because this, I, I, I'm definitely seeing it depends. So, Patty, <laughs> yeah, I, Patty. I, I, I think the most forward-thinking firms are really grabbing the reins. I think there's never been a more exciting time to be in HR when you look over the last 10, 15 years. And the advanced organizations are really taking the CHRO and the HR human capital, whichever words you want to use, taking that function and completely changing its role and remit. So I see some really forward-thinking organizations creating roles like the director of employee experience that then is an orchestrator of input and relationships from facilities, from branding, from communication, from data science, um, from, um, from the HR function themselves. And they're orchestrating all these competencies now to really unite and shape a different experience. And so it really is an exciting time for forward-thinking CHROs 
to grab a much bigger and impactful scope than they potentially ever have done before and to really make a difference. Yeah, and I'm just going to add on to that. You're you're absolutely right. And what's great is how easy it is for technology to enable these transformations, even in small steps. We're finding more and more um, organizations, HR leaders, are embracing uh, the 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 chatbots that are becoming increasingly available in the enterprise, uh, and it delivers essentially conversational HR. It changes the nature of the relationship from the HR organization as a top-down, hierarchical command and control center to an organization that engages in conversations with managers, with employees, around policies, around getting work done, around all the important things that drive business outcomes. What a transformation for the department enabled by simple technology. It's, it's really an exciting time, and it's just the tip of the iceberg. Absolutely. We did a show the other day on one of our other Game Changers series, Yvette, uh, about chatbots and AI. And I, I uh, dared, I was fearless in asking a question, someday will we do away with, oh dear, psychiatrists, psychologists, psychotherapists, uh, LSWs, CSWs, whatever whatever their degree is, and be able to program somehow have somebody program a, a conversational app, a voice app through a chatbot to understand the sentiment of our mood and what we need to hear. No, Patty. You can continue to sing. Just close the door, or uh, or Tina, you've had too much tea. Or Yvette, uh, it's time to go and pick something you like, and don't be depressed. And take a walk, and all of your anxiety will go away. Where a bot would give this to us, they also said that we'll be able to program our, our program our vehicles to understand us, and that the vehicles might feel they're in a relationship with us because they will be so humanized. Is anybody surprised about that? Well, I'm, I'm glad that that came up, uh, that you brought that up, Yvette. I think it's a good leap into some of the other themes that we had here. I, I, I think cognitive technology will completely transform HR. And it's the very forward-thinking organizations that are really working out now how to do that. I don't like to see it as, you know, replacing intelligence as much as augmenting intelligence and making us much more efficient much cleverer and much better as human beings and how we work. So um, I think we're only at the starting point of a tsunami of change that's going to sweep through the HR function as they really figure out how to integrate cognitive solutions into the way that they work. And if you think about the kind of work that HR do, it absolutely lends itself to mm-hmm. those kind of advanced interventions, uh, particularly a lot of the um, procedural and repetitive and process-driven work um, that many, many organizations have to get through. So it's very exciting, but very daunting to your point, Patty, about, you know, it is a fearful time because we don't quite know what the future looks like, um, but it will be different um, and that, that we know. That we it's, know. And Go ahead, Patty, so and then I want to move to a, a topic from Yvette. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say just one more thing to end yeah. there. Oxford University did a survey last year, and Tina and Yvette, you might have seen this. Um, they found that people believe that 50% of U.S. jobs will be replaced by machines. So that's including the typical white-collar jobs, as you know we've seen in financial industries and insurance, but across the board, 50% within the next decade and a half. That's the, talk about designing a different workforce, Tina. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right on. Very interesting what that could mean for HR. 
Mm. And think about workplace romance among the robotics. I am just going to rest that one. That's a whole other topic, Patty. You can put it on your editorial calendar for later. How does HR handle with non-human employees who are, uh, let's just not talk about that right now. Yvette Cameron, I'm looking at your list of topics here. Uh, you did have one that said machine learning and AI will continue to emerge as key disruptors in how we work in the HR services provided. I think we've touched on that briefly, but you said something extremely provocative that we have to talk about. You say it's time to bust the myth of the shortage of talent. When it comes to talent, we must cast into a bigger pond, looking beyond typical schools and industries Industries we feel comfortable with today. It's time to move business beyond bias. That is huge. Yvette Cameron, I'd love to have you introduce this topic for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, uh, this is such an important topic. It's uh, important to me both personally and professionally. Uh, our processes for many, many years have been geared to, quite honestly, uh, increase or continue biases that are held. The way we write job descriptions, um, if you look at and, and provi- uh, apply some sentiment or natural language processing against job descriptions uh, written for nurses, you'll find that they come out generally focused on the female, um, whereas in construction workers and others, again, you look at the way we write job descriptions for some of these things, they come out inherently male. And those are just two simple examples of how in our culture we we are uh, we are bringing in these biases that have been long held whether they're conscious or unconscious into the way that we're hiring our workforce and the result is we believe that our options are more limited than they are when we remove bias from our processes when job descriptions are neutral when performance reviews don't contain uh, language that is inherently negative uh, based on some some gender uh, bias uh, assumptions, such as you know, aggressiveness for women is often perceived as negative, or it's a very mm-hmm. positive result for men. Um, once we're able to start identifying, raising the uh, the visibility of those kinds of biases, those who have it unconsciously become educated and start to realize, oh, you know, there's more options. By removing bias from the process, we suddenly have a much bigger pool of resources to draw from. The, you know, the, the, it's the it's the global population, but we are no longer filtering out and making that pool artificially small because of these biases. And one quick example I like to think yes. about, and again, this is from a personal perspective, um, you know, many, many um, of our atypical talent, and I put that in, in quotes, um, meaning they're coming from the neurodiverse population, maybe those with... Um, with Asperger's um, uh, or, you know, other, other um, members from along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Very talented, uh, highly creative, but not, um, not received in the same, uh, the same positive way that others are from a social perspective, perhaps because there's a lack of eye contact. But the creativity, the leadership, the innovation that comes, many of our leaders, I think about um, Richard Branson, uh, Bill Gates, um, you know, these are folks who come from the atypical um, uh, uh, neuro, you know, from the neurodiverse population and are doing tremendous things. And think about what our world would be without the innovations they've brought forward. If your hiring processes uh, are filtering out that kind of talent because of unconscious or conscious bias, if you're filtering them out because they're not looking at you during the interview process or they're not responding in the same way that you would typically res- uh, expect, 
then think about the talent you're missing out on in your organization. So we need to bust this myth. There isn't a shortage of talent. There is a shortage of inclusive thinking, and we need to change that. Thank you. We've had such a, a huge topic, and while you were speaking, I looked up assertive versus aggressive gender bias at work. And just Google it. It's just the page just goes on and on. Performance review gender bias. New study, women judged more harshly when speaking up. That was from 2015. The woman, the one thing women can do to thwart gender bias at work, and I'm, I hope I'm not offending anybody, the bitchy woman boss, damned if you do and damned if you don't. There's a video on bossedup.org. Have you been called aggressive at work? Here's one. Gender bias at work turns up in feedback. Wall Street Journal article. Why is he driven, in quotes, and you're a B-I-T-C-H, capital region women. Women endure a surprising bias in the workplace. Assertive versus aggressive. This is a nurse's article. And gender, the perception of aggression, and on and on in academia.edu. Very interesting. I know we don't have time to cover that, but Patty, that could be one of your topics this year, not telling you how to run your editorial calendar, but it's fascinating. It's already on Pat- there, Bonnie. Don't you worry. It is. Wonderful. <laughs> and I didn't, is. Say, I didn't say out of girl. I just said great. Uh, Patty, I want you to comment briefly on what Yvette said. Then we'll have Tina. And then I want to pick one very provocative topic from Patty's list before we go to predictions, which are coming up in just about six minutes. So, Patty, what do you think about Yvette's comments? Yeah, you know, this, as you know, Bonnie, I've spent majority of my career on, on this topic, so, so quite near and dear to my heart. Yvette, you said something so incredibly important, that we make the talent population artificially small. Um, so we all know there are different slices and dices of, of diversity and creating cultures of inclusion. The truth is, we, it is very hard to work in an inclusive culture. It's extremely difficult to manage and lead a team of diverse talent. It's very, very different, right? So we hire for individuals, but we manage for teams really hard. And so, in, you know, we also tend to see a focus in on the recruiting, but also we need to focus in the shortage of talent on keeping folks there, how we develop them. The other piece I'd, I'd see that is changing is people are starting to understand. So gender will just pick on that because why the heck not? There are all of these different programs in place, not technology, but the majority of companies are spending program money on this topic. And it's for things like teaching me, born a female, how to negotiate like a man. Seeing a trend change and where HR needs to go is, one, programs are great, but how do we enable people to actually make different decisions, use decision interruption, some of the stuff that that was talking about. That's technology. It's how we do it. And number two, let's stop trying to fix the people with Asperger's or people who are, who are women or of color or whatever those, those different other populations might be or underrepresented. Instead, start training managers to have different decisions, to make different decisions, to that point, not blame and shame, but to call out where how we typically make a decision might omit some pretty amazing talent that could come through the door and stay there and grow with the company. Thank you very much. Tina Marin Partridge, I'm circling around to you. Thoughts on what Yvette brought up and Patty just added to? Well, I, as you said, it's it, it, it's such a meaningful and deep topic. It's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to boil it into into a couple of sentences. I, I couldn't agree more with what you just said, Patty, about um, 
really focusing down on, on, on helping the manager make an impact there. And um, I can't remember whose study it was, but um, almost every study around employee engagement um, shows that the most impactful role in any business in terms of how you feel about your work is, is the relationship you have with your immediate manager. And so it's such an impactful relationship um, to change and an effect when we try to deal with this kind of authenticity that we're talking about here. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, this is a whole I, I have Go ahead, the manager. Bonnie, I'm sorry. I have to <laughs> yes. jump in and just say... I want you to. It, yeah, you're next. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm so passionate, though, about this topic, but passionate also because there's such a huge business impact, right? We talk about the importance, the, the relationship between manager and employee and having a broader talent pool, and all of that is incredibly important. But there are, there are studies. In fact, Patty mentioned a study by Oxford uh, University. You know, in that same study, they were looking at the impact of diversity on business success. And, you know, stats like um, uh, they, though the winners in the digital economy are more likely to have effective diversity programs. They're showing better financial performance. They're having a, a positive, a, a more positive impact on the culture of the organization. So, so removing diversity from the processes in your company is more than just a good thing and more than just the right thing. It's an effective tool for improving business performance. So for so many reasons, it's a topic we have to really, really focus on. Absolutely. Thank you. Yvette, I was coming to you, so no need to apologize for jumping in. I was going to have you wrap that up. Patty Fletcher, we are about three minutes away from our predictions schedule predictions part of the show and and I don't want to get there without covering one another very provocative note from your list. Patty, we could almost do part three of this and just keep all the talking points because there's so much, but that's up to you. Patty says, moving forward, the power of the employee takes center stage. Leaders are not leaders unless followers enable them to be. Wow. Let's talk about that. Patty, why don't you just give us a two-minute overview and then we'll table a further discussion on that for another another episode. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is not so much those thought-leading CHROs that we talked about a, a few minutes ago, but when I see the, the role of CHRO and in, in, in the context of digitalization, in the context of all the different segments that are now working in the workforce that represent the, the broader population that are out there, and we look at things like what parts of HR are getting outsourced, what's going to stay, what is the competitive differentiator that HR brings. I can't help but seeing maybe a trajectory going somewhat like a CMO. So the CMO went from, you know, I'm going to buy advertising in a magazine to being the voice of the market for the company, so the voice of the customer, creating that bridge between the stuff a company wants to sell and the people that they want to sell it to and, and vice versa, right? So it's, it's that kind of two-way. And thinking about the CHRO, who for many members of the workforce believe represents only the interest of the leaders, right, or, or of the folks in charge, and instead being that voice of the people to the leaders and vice versa, a, a more market-facing component. And we talked a little bit about brand, and it ties into all the stuff we just we just talked about. But 
it, it really does put the people who are responsible for making your products, selling your products, and everything in between at that center stage. What do they need to be um, to have complex capacity? What do we need to keep them engaged? Um, how can we represent those interests to make sure that not only we have the talent we need today, but the talent we need tomorrow and be able to keep it and cultivate it? Thank you so much, Patty. Sorry we can't expand on that, but it's now I'm looking at the clock and it's crystal ball time. So, Tina Marin Partridge, I'm ready for you. I'm going to give you a full 60 seconds. Let's see if we might have a little more after that, maybe for a bonus round. Tina, please look into the crystal ball. I'm asking all of our panelists on all of our shows this month to look at 2020 and beyond because as somebody very astutely told me the other day, it's just three New Year's Eves away. Duh, we've been thinking about it. The future, well, it's just basically you can already start planning what you're going to wear that night. So, Tina Marin Partridge at IBM, love to have you share your thoughts. What's coming up in 2020 or after on our topic of CHROs and people strategies for New Year's resolutions then? Tina, go ahead. 60 seconds. I think CHROs will be a transformed profession. I think employees will have cognitive advisors who assist them with their onboarding, their learning, coach them on their career paths and help them with their interests. And I think HR processes will be entirely automated and the HR function will really be all about the employee experience and the business it serves. And it will change human capital forever. And this whole profession will be a very different place than it is today. Thank you. Very provocative and profound. I think there's a whole topic around that one. Yvette Cameron, it's SAP Success Factors. Love to have you give us your predictions. Uh, Tina was very quick with her, so you can take 90 seconds, Yvette. Well, my prediction is, is, is of a, a similar vision. I believe that in 2020, we're going to be in a situation where we're no longer logging into an HR system to get information. That uh, information is coming to us through the consumer devices that we're using every day, mobile, tablets, etc. That HR itself as an organization has transformed from, uh, as I've said earlier, the top-down to more of a enabling and conversational um, HR HR engine and so is leveraging technology in brand new ways and we're able to bring incredibly personalized and relevant information to individuals because we've partnered in the HR business with our uh, marketing counterparts to deliver that uh, very personalized content based on an analysis of the conversations, the activities, the questions, the networks and connections that you have so that much like advertising and targeted messaging through marketing, you're receiving just the right information at the right time in that very relevant contextual way. It's a transform HR experience. It's a transformed employee experience. Wow, very, very interesting. Thank you, Yvette. Dr. Patty Fletcher, I've saved a whole. Let's do 90 seconds from you. Wow, I'm just blown away by what's coming in the future. This is great stuff. Um, we didn't talk about this topic on this call. We will have this topic um, that I'm about to talk about in in um, a show in the next few months, so stay tuned. But for all the reasons we talked about on this phone and for all the, the predictions that we just heard, I, I see the CHRO, and we're starting to see trends this way, but the CHRO is one of the channels through which someone can get a board seat or a CEO role. And the reason I think that is, like 
so many other functions, CHROs are needing to be technology experts in new and different ways, meaning it's not just about automating and you know, those back office functions that Tina had mentioned will um, you know, be fully automated, but for so many of the reasons that both um, both Tina and Iniveta talked about of what are the tools that are out there? What are those cognitive um, computing that we can use? Like what re- what's getting replaced and who isn't getting replaced? There's that. There's also the the focus in on moving away from the IT mindset around adoption instead to what are the tools that we put into the hands of the people in our workforce that they consider are essential to doing their job every day. Not a nice to have for HR, but essential. And finally, with all of that said, the reason I'm bringing those all together is it's about transformation. It, you know, you can talk to a CEO about creating large-scale change. They will believe that if the technology isn't there yet, it, it will get there. They can believe that somebody can design a wonderful set of processes and practices and policies. What they doubt is that culture will change. They doubt people will change. And that's where that future CHRO is going, and that's why they will land board seats. That's why they will be heads of business from an operational perspective. Thank you very much, Patty. I want to thank the three of you, Tina Marin Partridge, Talent and Engagement Global Leader at IBM Global Business Services. Tina, so happy you were able to take the time late in the evening for you in UK. To join us, Yvette Cameron, Senior VP of Strategy at SAP Success Factors. Patty, what a smart panel. Of course, Dr. Patty Fletcher show. puts it all together. Oh, what a show. What a kickoff to season two. Patty, I'm going to whisper this to you. Of course, nobody else is listening. If you want to do a part two on a topic and you don't have enough bandwidth in your own editorial calendar, toss it over the fence to me for Coffee Break with Game Changers, and we could do a part two uh, with very little extra work because I'd love to have one of your topics. I will publicly say show. yes. <laughs> I know. I knew. I knew it was coming. So shout well, out to Tina. Time. There you go. Tina and Yvette and Patty, thank you for making this a wonderfully interesting and articulate topic for our show today. And uh, I'm going to take a break now, and we'll be back with more live shows on Tuesday. We have not well, we have 14 series, nine renewals this year, including Patty's, and five brand-new series. So, Michael, feel better. Michael is our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here we go. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. Take an HR person in the car with you. Maybe you'll have a good conversation. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for this week. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.